On today's episode of PropTech Insider, we're joined by Michael Clark. He's going to be discussing how to create a technology-empowered brand. Michael Clark is the principal of Clark & Hummel, a Northern Beaches real estate agency. Michael's secret to success is simple. Employ the best people and support them to do their best. He's been ranked second with the Reeves Top 10 Agents in Australia for 2018, 19, 20 and 21. Michael, thanks for coming on to the podcast. My pleasure. Well, we're going to get into a great conversation today around how you actually think about empowering your people and actually making that change inside of your business, not just around technology, but just more broadly about how you're thinking about growing your business and empowering it through your people. At the end of the day, the technology is only as good as the people that use it, as well as your brand is only as good as the people, um, which is what we were talking about before. So to kick things off, I guess what we'd like to hear from you is your commitment to achieving exceptional results is obviously unwavering uh, and has been for a number of years. Thank you. How have you asked your personality and your points of difference to your brand to actually build it so it lasts and building a long-term sustainable business? Well, I guess the first thing I'd say is that Sheree and I workshop each and every staff member on just about a daily basis. Um, it's one of the things where we're, we're now at the stage where with 45-odd people who work within our business, we get to a stage each uh, evening where one or the other of us says, okay, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> yeah. We need, now need to switch off. Yep. Um, so it's, it's one of those things that on the one hand, there's been a tremendous amount of planning with every step that we've taken. And Shuri was just looking back at some of the notes where in the process of moving house today and Shuri's looking back at some of the notes that we, we had made in 2010, 11, 12, et cetera, et cetera. And all of these plans that Shuri had had that I've been party to but and privy to, I guess, but, but have been driven very much by Sheree, who is, the, I guess, the CEO of the business. All of those things have just come to fruition through a tremendous amount of hard work and things like that. But yeah. part of that has always been a focus on the idea that we never wanted growth just for growth's sake. What we wanted to do was build something that we felt was really special, that we were inspired by the people who we would hire as much as we could hopefully inspire them. And that's always been a great litmus test for who we do hire and the people who we interview, but perhaps don't hire. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing because the brand is actually twofold then, isn't it? It's actually, it's for a potential vendor or a potential buyer, but it's also an attraction piece for agents coming into your business. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, how do you kind of make sure that you can have both and really make sure that that brand's well recognized for both of those kind of customers, you could almost call it inside of your your marketplace. I guess there needs to be a synergy between the philosophy of the business and those people and how they fit within that and that philosophy and the culture and what we do within that needs to be also visually expressed in the brand that we have and so uh, I'm lucky my background was in advertising and um, interestingly enough uh, we're, we're not too far away from where Shireen and I first met. I, uh, my first advertising agency role at least in Australia was just down the road in, um, in Piermont. Right. And um, Sheree was working as a project manager architect uh, around the corner. And that's how we, we actually ended up meeting only about 500 metres away oh, from right. here. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Sheree effectively got me out of advertising and said, hey, you should do real estate. And so I did what I was told. And, <laughs> um, and um, I ended up um, two years later begging her to leave architecture and, and, and join me. So from a branding perspective, I was always passionate about brands. I loved advertising. I didn't love the industry of advertising as much as I thought I would, which is why I'm where I'm at. Um, that and taking the advice of Sheree. But that branding perspective 
having something that really expressed what it was we were trying to do, having the consistency throughout all the different channels and things like that, that was something that was very important to me from Cherie's artistic and architectural background as well. Uh, that was brilliant because we both had different but complementary skills and we've always been in huge alignment with the idea that the brand had to be a certain way and it had to have certain characteristics, not just some pretty thing on a page. But then in relation to the hiring, I've always believed that if you do something that's special and you feel very strongly about it and you do the right thing, then people will be attracted by what you do and who you are while you're doing it. And so I've had lots of advice over the years from different mentors and other principals and and people who are actively out there prospecting for staff all the time. And though I subscribe to that idea, I don't practice that. I never have. I've never been a person to jump on the phone and call other people's salespeople and things like that, apart from the fact that I've got a bit of a natural aversion to that. I just don't like the feeling. Shireen and I always felt that if we just did some great business and we did the right thing by people and consistently performed and did the kind of things that were noteworthy within the industry, then that would attract people to want to have a, have a chat with us. Yep. And that's, ha- that's worked right from the outset. And so part of the key for that growth was just continuing to focus on being better, not seeming to be better, and hoping that it would, it would attract people. And also, you know, understanding that a lot of our competitors have ended up working with us. We can be competitors, but, but there's a big difference between being a competitor and an enemy. Yeah, and that's really, I think you, you're taking a long-term view on things is that you want to build a long-term sustainable business. Mm. And the best way to do that is to not obviously burn people, but also build a really strong reputation and market and brand presence within your local marketplace. Mm. And obviously, in order to do that, as you were saying before, you found some of your notes from 2010 and you've executed on all those things. A big part of that is the people who actually execute and that you empower to actually do the work to bring that all to life. Mm. Talk to us a little bit more about your management and how you go about actually once you've made that idea, that high-level idea, how do you bring it to life and empower the teams to execute and make sure that we, you can follow through? The implementation is, is often even more difficult than the ideation. I'm very reliant on Cherie as the CEO for the broader strokes as to what direction the business should be going in. Um, Cherie can list and sell as well as I can, and she's a, most architects are strange people, by the way, because <laughs> um, it's very uncommon for somebody to have a real creativity but also have a mathematical ability and the skill set and ability to be able to do both. Most people are either supremely creative. I don't know whether it's left or right brain, but very few people have both, and that's what architects have. And in the same way, that's what Cherie has in relation to the fact that she can go in and do an unbelievable listing presentation, arguably better than I can, and yet she also has the ability to be able to be big picture focused and say the business needs to go in this direction or I see that as a failure path or whatever else. And so because we have that ability where I've always been really super passionate about sales, that's what I've always loved. And Cherie has certainly sacrificed a lot more than I have in relation to her shielding me from a lot of the business growth and things like that in order to facilitate me focusing headlong on the sales and ultimately the sales management. And that was principally simply because Cherie could do what I could do, but I couldn't do what she did. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. It wasn't that. Yeah, it was more by necessity. Right, but, but also by design. And so what that meant, though, was because I've been able, uh, able to be freed up to just list and sell and manage and negotiate and work with salespeople, then I've always found that something that growing a salesperson from scratch, for me, I think that was one of the only things I really underestimated how much I'd love um, when yeah. we opened Clark and Hummel. 
when we opened up Clark and Hummel, it was very much just got to, it was to do with, we wanted to, to do it in a different way. It's for others to judge whether it was better, but we wanted to do something for ourselves where we felt it could be special and that we could effectively craft our own path. Whereas um, in relation to the building a sales team, that's for me, retrospectively, and we were talking about it just this morning, retrospectively, it's one of the things that I've found most satisfying and surprising. Uh, Dad's a teacher, so it shouldn't actually surprise me that I get so much enjoyment out of doing that. Yeah. Certainly in relation to building a sales team and growing them, Cherie and I both, whether Cherie's going into a listing presentation to help uh, one of our agents beat the competition or whether it's me, we derive more pleasure and satisfaction out of helping them win now than we do our own because we know that when we go out there, we don't win everything, but we, we have a good chance. Yep. But seeing somebody to, who's joined us who either doesn't have a background in the industry or um, has only recently joined us, for us to be able to go in there and really say, uh, help them win that business and to see the fire in the belly and the light in the eyes when they come out, oh my God, we just got that. How did that, you know, how did that happen and to break that down? Yep. That, that's the best bit for us. We love that. And I think that the energy and the enthusiasm that you get from going from one level to a better level and a better level and seeing someone start to produce in a way that they had only ever dreamed of, yeah. that kind of stuff, that's the gold of real estate. It's great. Yep. And it's kind of, we've got the same thing in our business is that you can't scale yourself. So you've got to find really good people and train them up and, and then see them succeed is, is far better mm. than you trying to do everything yourself. And then off the back of that, you've got people to celebrate with as well. Because mm, mm, um, it can be a very lonely journey otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, as you, uh, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but I want to get into it a little bit more, which is that Clark and Hummel is obviously a family-run business mm. and it's got some really strong values around that mm. that guide you both internally and externally. Mm. How do you instill that into the people that work within your team and your business as well? The first thing is that uh, I learned many years ago before I before we'd opened Clark and Hummel, um, uh, one of the great leaders or mentors in Australia, it was probably John McGrath, who said, you can train an average salesperson to be a great salesperson, but you can't train an average human to be a great human, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I re- like that really at the time as just a little Muppet salesperson, you know, who'd been in the industry about 12 and a half yeah. seconds, I just thought, oh my God, that's incredible. Even though at that point in time, I had no aspiration to, you know, do my own thing. I was just some little bloke who had no idea what I was doing, but it always resonated with me. And so... From our perspective, yeah, we, we feel really strongly about that kind of family value thing and mm. without being pious about it or anything like that. But growing up where I did, you know, a family of nine people, I had six siblings, you know, there was lots of All love. Right. Oh, yeah. goodness. It was, it was chaotic, lots of love, no bloody money <laughs> and constant struggle, you know, yeah. but, but the, you know, the two things that mum and dad really, really, really pushed on us seven kids was work really hard and the only thing that you ever own truly in your life is your good name. So do the right thing by people. It's one thing for Cherie and I to feel the same way, and that's something where I'm very, very blessed that um, I've married someone who's not just my best mate you know, and my business partner, um, but also the love of my life. So that's great. So we've got that real, really strong feeling about and, and really fortunate situation to be happy within ourselves, but also totally aligned on the big rocks, on yep. the things that we find are important. And what that's meant is that when we're looking to hire people, where just as proud of the decisions that we've made on the people who we have not hired as we are the people who we have. And oftentimes the more difficult decision is not hiring somebody who is a high achiever, you know, based on their metrics, but somebody who you know might be culturally not good. Yeah. Because all it takes is one person. I got to see it um, and have seen it over the years with different brands um, where they've gone from being something to being something that they no longer 
that is no longer representative of necessarily yeah. who, uh, right, yep. who it is and the principal or the leader who right, with that business. And it's one thing for the principals within the business or for Sheree and I to feel a certain way and have a certain moral compass. But if you're hiring people who don't have that same moral compass, then that whole idea of a, a moral compass, that's just an idea. That's not the reality. And I think that every person who we hire is a reflection of what we value and who we value. And yep. therefore, when you've got a young person, male or female, who's n- new to the industry, there's always that, t- that period of time where they don't know how things are done. What happens here? Is this the way this happens? Is that the way you put a deal? That, right? People like that, even though they've got their own moral compass, they can be moulded to a greater extent in relation to this is the way that you put a deal together. You don't bluff. You don't make up offers. You don't uh, – a whole range of things. Right? Yep. So you can help them understand if they're particularly young. However, if we're sitting down in an interview um, with somebody who's had a level of experience in the industry, you know, not necessarily even a veteran, but somebody who's had uh, an experience, I've always found that people tend to have their own strong opinion on how to be successful. I didn't know. I was a bit of a blank canvas. I knew that mum and dad loved me and, you know, that, that yeah. you should be a nice person, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I had no clue on how to be successful. Fortunately, Sheree had a very good idea on how to be successful and I did what I was told. <laughs> but um, from a hiring perspective, if we're talking to somebody who's had a modicum of experience or success, then I tend to find it's almost binary that those people feel like the way to be successful is to work really hard, do the right thing, understanding that it's a long-term game and what you put out oftentimes comes back. Or they feel like in order to get ahead, you need to be tricky and it's dog-eat-dog and all that kind of stuff. And it almost is a binary feeling that you get from when you sit down with people. If it's the latter, then as talented or as capable as they might be, we don't go to the next stage. We're, we're polite and we're respectful because we understand that, that success is, there's a whole range of different um, feelings about success and what that means and all that kind of stuff. So there's no, certainly no judgment, but we know that what we have is something where we can, Sheree and I can walk into the office every morning and we get a kick and, and, and there's an energy and a positivity because there's not a solitary face that we look around where we think, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> every person and every little head that we look at on the way through, we're thinking, they're great. That's a great human being. That person's on a roll. That kind of thing. And that's really precious for us because we spend so much of our time there. We've sacrificed so much to be in, our, in the situation that we're at. We want, to ring, uh, we want to hang around people who we feel are great human beings, but also who the type of people who celebrate in other success because they don't feel and they don't have a mentality that success is scarcity. Yeah. That success needs to be an abundant mentality. And that way, you know, that's something that we can foster, of course, because I think leadership has a big um, impact on whether people feel that another salesperson within the business and their success has a negative impact on, on their own, or whether somebody else's success has a positive impact on their own success. And as an agency, we're continuing to go forward. And the, the, really, the two things I got out of that piece was firstly, you got to learn to say no. And sometimes saying no to something is actually the right decision for the rest of the business so that you can focus on the areas that you, you want to actually continue to flourish and make sure that that core team and the culture is not disrupted by the wrong person coming in. And the other part that I got out of that in particular was the foundation is attitude and a lot of the rest can be coached yep. and taught, which I think is a really great lead on to the, the next two questions that we always ask people at the end of the podcast, which is, the first one is, what's your definition of success, Michael? What changes? Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> when I first got into the industry, my definition of success was get Sheree to marry me, <laughs> right, and get out of bloody debt. Like that, that was my shining light. That was a pretty simple idea of what success is, right? Tick, tick, right? Yeah. <laughs> Convince her to marry me. 
thank goodness, right? Uh, no longer in that in a, in a yeah. chaotic Congrats death on that spiral. Yep. Hooray, <laughs> yeah. Right? So it changes, you know, um, and then it became, okay, well, look, I wanted to be the best salesperson in the office. Yeah. And then I wanted to take my level of success from a gross commission income perspective higher, you know, yeah. and all that kind of thing. And so it certainly has evolved over the years. Now, my definition of success, thankfully, I'm, I'm living the life of my dreams. And I, I struggle to answer this question because I, I feel like I sound conceited, but I've got the girl of my dreams. I've got this gorgeous little family who I just cherish and I'm living really comfortably so that, you know, finances don't, don't really drive the decisions that I make. If, yep. if we'd like to do this or have that holiday or whatever else, then I can do that. And so for me now, success is making sure that I stay healthy because I can't do anything if I'm not healthy, uh, taking care of my marriage and my kids and making sure that they continue to thrive while I'm able to be a role model uh, within our little family unit. And then in, from a workplace perspective, being the kind of leader who I would have aspired to work for 17 years ago when I got into the industry and knowing that real estate's such a life-changing business. I cannot tell you, I get goosebumps about it when I think about it. You know, Cherie gave me a book to read 18 years ago and said, hey, read that, you should do real estate. And at that time, I was miserable in my life. I had this great advertising CV. I'd gone International Advertising Association scholarship over to New York. I won another scholarship back here. So on paper, I was every bit of success, as successful as one could be in their early stages of advertising. And yet I was miserable. Um, and then I read that one book and then thought, holy goodness, there's a whole other life out there. And I feel like I've been, uh, like I'm a living, breathing um, example of how incredible this business of real estate can be and how the whole life of your dreams, you can live through this vehicle. And so for me, success is now, apart from, you know, love of my life and my family and, and that, all that kind of stuff, yep. um, it's being able to be in a position where now I can help show others what this industry can do and that you can be a good human being and you can do the right thing and you can have a long, long success in the industry it's a lot more difficult to start that way and that's why it took me so much longer than I think it could have because I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I started. In a nutshell, it's if I can pass on that kind of stuff to the people who are working with us and we can continue to grow a great business where people are inspired, then, hey, I'm a, I'm a lucky man and that's what success is to me at the moment. Congratulations. I know that there's a lot of agents and particularly just our industry as a whole, you chase the next deal. It's just the next deal and sometimes you forget to lift your head up and actually take perspective on life. So, Congratulations on, on ticking some of those boxes for yourself. <laughs> right. and, the, and the last question, or the final question for today is, tell us one thing that you're going to start, stop and continue. I'm going to start ocean swimming. Okay. Right. Cherie does that all the, right, every other day. She can do this bold and beautiful thing in Manly. Now, I can't swim to save myself. As it, well, no, physically to save myself, I can. But I get to the end of a 50-meter pool and I'm done. I'm spent. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> my cardio is actually fine. I can run all day because that's what we did in Orange. Right? Yep. But <laughs> there wasn't a big ocean out in Orange and the dam had eels in it so we didn't swim. Yeah. Right. It was yep. too bloody cold. So the idea for me to be able to swim all the way from Manly Beach to Shelley Beach and back again is incomprehensible as I sit here now, like how I could do that and not drown. And by the way, if this ends up being my epitaph or whatever it is, it's because I drown trying to do <laughs> yeah. that. So that's, the, that's one thing I'm going to start, try and do that because I reckon if I can do that swim that Cherie does without even thinking, that shows that anyone can do anything. That's the, that's the thing I'll start. Yeah. What will I stop? 
I won't stop coffee, but I might have a little bit less of it, right? As yeah. you can probably hear from the interview today. <laughs> I'm only on two coffees already, oh, right? So I'm, I'm all good. So look, uh, maybe, uh, maybe that. Um, continue. Uh, look, I think just continuing the, the learning process, uh, one of the other things that Shri and I have in common is that we love learning. We love to learn. It can be self-indulgent learning, by the way. That's the other thing, right? Coming from a family of academics as I do, right? It would be it would be wonderful to have, have my head buried in a book all day and just learn and learn and learn and learn and learn. That would be great. But, yeah. but if you're just learning the entire time, you're not necessarily contributing much. Um, not to say that those people who are unbelievable academics that they don't, they've got a platform, professors, or you're right, they're giving back themselves. But certainly to continue to learn because I think that's, that's one of the greatest gifts of the industry where every day I can learn something new that I can implement the following day that can either inspire one of my team or inspire myself to do better business. Awesome. And Michael, we're at the end of the interview, but congratulations on all your success and, and wish you the best for, for the future success as well. And thank you for sharing your insights into the industry, the values that you create within your business and the brand that you've built within your marketplace. Congratulations and thank you again. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of PropTech Insider. If you'd like to learn more about our topic today, visit agentsolutions.com.au. If you enjoyed this topic and you want to hear more about exciting content that we have in store, please hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast app you use. See you next time.